All right, and we are back, and welcome back to another edition of the Locked On College Football Podcast. And hopefully you enjoy Christmas with your family. Santa blessed your household with plenty of presents and everything that you asked for. I know I had a very blessed holiday. The twin girls got everything they could ask for and more. But, Jonah, how was your holiday, man? Man, it was great. I couldn't, you know, I can't imagine it being, you know, twin girls, man. That that, that must be a blast. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was awesome over here in Dallas. Had a lot of fun, but man, probably wasn't up to the par to where you had twin girls, man. That that had to be awesome for you. Yeah, my whole living room is toys, and I'm like, I've stubbed my toe like five different times now <laughs> <laughs> on different toys, but it's really cool just seeing the looks on their faces. This was their first Christmas, so just, you know, having that family time and seeing everybody excited about, about it being their first Christmas is really cool, but Really cool stuff. You know, you love spending time with the family and things of that nature. But once again, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody and all the loyal listeners to the Locked On College Football Podcast. We hope you have a very festive uh, Merry Christmas and also a Happy New Year as well. So once again, Happy Holidays from us. But we do have a very special show planned for you guys because we are in the middle of bowl season. We want to get back to that. And today is a very, very, very intriguing day just because we have a full lineup of games. Just some games that we have on slate today. North Carolina and Temple kick off at noon. Eastern time, Michigan State and Wake Forest at 320. Oklahoma State, Texas A&M at 645 USC, Iowa at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And then the nightcap with Air Force and Washington State. So we have some highly intriguing names or games, I should say. And we're going to get to some intriguing names that we're going to be looking at in these games as well. But, you know, of all of these games, I probably would say USC, Iowa is definitely the most intriguing. And, of course, they have the biggest headliner names, the two guys we're going to be talking about all the way up until April if they do end up declaring for the draft. We'll see what they do end up doing, whether they make their decision after the game or if they wait to the, the January 17th deadline. And that's Tristan Wirfs and A.J. Epinesa. Those are pretty much the headliner names in that matchup. But you also have some guys on the USC side as well, Michael Pittman Jr. definitely being one notable name. But who are some of the guys that you're going to be paying attention to, to mo- the most today in today's bowl games? Man, so – is Austin Jackson playing for USC? Yes, he is. Man, it's that headliner matchup. You talk about one of the best bowl matchups of the year. AJ Epineza versus Austin Jackson. Wow. I mean, you talk about two potential first round picks going at it. And with a lot yeah. of players skipping bowl games, you don't really get these kind of matchups unless they play in the playoffs. So I'm really interested to watch those two because I think Austin Jackson, one of the biggest questions with him is his play strength and his power. I know we can move. I know this guy, you know, this guy's light on his feet, nimble kind of guy, fluid pass protector. But I wonder how he handles a bull rush in power, speed to power. Um, he struggled with it recently, struggled with Bradley Anai from Utah. Uh, he's, so I, I'm really interested to see what he does. He struggled with it against Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame. And AJ Epinez is kind of like Khalid Kareem plus. So I, I want to see if he can handle that and he can handle his power and his motor. So that's going to be a great battle to watch. And it's a great test for both guys. Because Austin Jackson's a really fluid guy, and I think A.J. Epinez is one of his biggest weaknesses compared to the rest of his classes is his agility off the edge. So it's going to be a great test for both guys. But on the other side of the ball, Tristan Wirfs, man, this guy's a top 10 lock in my opinion. Uh, one of the best athletes in this draft regardless of position. He was on Bruce Feldman's freak list, and he was number one. Uh, this guy's a monster. And you, you can't teach what he has. With his length, foot speed, he's going to be so fun to watch at the next level, and I think he's kind of like a Trent Williams kind of player. 
Uh, I know he plays on the right side. He's Alec Jackson plays on the left. But, man, this guy has experienced both sides. I have no problem play, with playing him either side at the next level. He's a top 10 pick, and it's going to be fun to see these guys go at it. And, you know, and we've talked about bowl games skipping in the past. We don't have a problem with it, but I think it does go to show, you know, some of these players who do play the bowl games, it does show, uh, you know, some level of toughness. I think it does show, you know, it, it does show that the scouts that, hey, I want to play every game regardless of where I'm at. Just I want to play another game for, the, for my team. I think that does mean something. Yeah, and there's some players that want to go out the right way, especially with the guys that they have been battling with all year. They want to go out on a high note, you know, playing in the last game with them. So I completely understand why some guys do want to play in these bowl games. But if they are early round selection or projected to be early round selection, I have no problems with them sitting out the bowl game. But I think an underrated matchup on Friday, and I'm not sure if Justin Heron will be playing for Wake Forest. I believe he is. But it's Justin Heron versus Kenny Willickis from Michigan yes. State. That's another matchup that I'm really intrigued by. And, you know, Willickis, he's going to get, you know, he's going to be boxed into this these type of traits that that was very similar to Chase Winovich in a sense, that he's just this high-motor guy who's basically an effort guy that isn't really polished. But I don't think that is really is the case with him just because I think he's very mature. He's a, he's a little bit bigger than what people like to give him credit for. I believe he's around 6'4", 260, but you love the effort. You love the tenacity that he brings to the table. And I think he's a polished edge rusher now. He's not the most bendiest guy in the world. And I think he has more of a, his advanced technique and his hand usage really help him in that department. But I'm really interested to see how he adjusts with this matchup with Justin Heron, assuming that he is playing. Heron was just named to the Senior Bowl. So he's a very notable name and a headliner name in this matchup. So I'm really interested and intrigued by that matchup. Yeah, and you know how I love the former basketball players playing offensive tackle. It shows you know they have good feet, they can move yes. um, in tight yep. spaces. Is this that athletic background? Heron, you know, a former basketball captain. I think he went to Wake Forest to even play basketball. So yeah. this, this guy has good feet. Really, li- I I love that he's at the Senior Bowl. Can make a lot of headway on his draft stock there. Another matchup that I'm not sure you know a lot of people a lot of people are aware of. I know you're aware of. Uh, two, a couple of senior bowl guys, too. Uh, Matt Hennessy at Temple versus Jason yeah. Stowbridge at North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Now, Hennessy is going to be one of the biggest risers in the center class because the center class is pretty weak uh, relative to what we've seen in years past. I know Tyler Biotis doesn't have the kind of year that a lot of people expect him to have. Creed Humphrey's solid, but he's not going to be a slam dunk first round pick. Um, but Matt Hennessy, keep an eye on this guy. This guy's a very good zone blocking guy. He's kind of like the free trial version of Garrett Bradbury coming out last year. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you'd have to pay premium to get Garrett Bradbury. But Matt, Matt Hennessy is a very good player. And he's kind of gone under the radar because, obviously, Temple, not a big program, up in the Northeast. It, it, it doesn't get a lot of coverage over there. But, man, this guy's a good football player. I can't wait to see him go against a guy like Jason Stobridge, who wins a lot on his explosive first step. So you're going to have two guys who are really quick and guys who are really good in their feet. So I really want to see that matchup go toe-to-toe, and it might be a preview of what we see in Mobile. Definitely, and I think Strawbridge definitely is playing a little bit out of position just because the Carolina just doesn't have a lot of depth on the interior. So they do have to play him at defensive tackle from time to time, and that's really mostly what he has played this year, but I think he's more of an edge. He's probably your 3-4-4-4 technique. I think that's where he's probably – that's probably where his future lies. But I'm really interested to see exactly how he does in this matchup just because Hennessy's a good football player, man, and he he's a guy that isn't getting a lot of attention right now. 
But I think as the process goes along, I think he's one guy that definitely we could be talking about, especially after Mobile as well. I think that's an event that's really set up for him to succeed. So keep an eye on that matchup. And another one I wanted to talk about, not necessarily in this game, but in Oklahoma State and Texas A&M, is Trouble Hubbard against Justin Matabuke. And I know they won't be going against each other as far as a one-on-one matchup, but just how well he holds up in the interior of that, or that defensive line, I should say, against the guy that is the FBS leading rusher right now. So Justin Matabuke, a guy that we we've given a lot of praise for on the or praise to on this show that we still think is underrated. And then Chuba Hubbard still hasn't made his decision as far as what he's going to do for the NFL draft. But I'm really intrigued to see which side of the ball really gives up in a sense and that is Texas A&M's 30th ranked rush defense in the country going to lay down and fold to this dynamic or this explosive Oklahoma State attack led by Hubbard? Or are they really going to shut him down in a sense? So I just want to see which side folds and gives in this matchup. Yeah, this is a story of two different guys with similar paths, right? So like Chuba Hubbard's a guy that, you know, we expect to declare, but we still don't know yet. We're going to, we're waiting out on him. Matibuke's already declared for the draft. So we're looking at both guys and saying, okay, both probably a second, third round range, I'd say. But I think there's a legit case that both guys can work their way in the first round, in the first round conversation with a good pre-draft cycle. And it starts with this bowl game. I mean, you, you talk about a big game for Justin Matibuke. One of Matibuke's biggest, I guess, weaknesses on my scouting report is that he goes invisible too often. This guy yeah. has so many flashes. If you watch his highlights, he's a top 10 pick. Uh, the problem was that, you know, play against big games, like Clemson, plays against big games. He, he just goes invisible for too many stretches. It reminds me a lot of Malik Collins coming out of Nebraska. Uh, where Malik Collins, you know, explosive first time you see it against Michigan State, but when he played against Michigan, it wasn't there. So it's the same kind of thing with Matty Buke in big games. So this is another big game for him. Go up against the FBS leader in rushing yards and Chuba Hubbard. This game's going to matter for him, for his draft stock, because this is a game that Matty Buke should, quite frankly, dominate. Oklahoma State's offensive line is not that great, and yeah. it's your offensive line specifically. So if Matty Buke really wants to show out and improve his draft stock, this is the game to do it. I mean, it's, it's shut down the top FBS guy. If he can do that, a lot of scouts are going to open their eyes to him because he, he was up and down during the year. But don't get me wrong, his physical traits are no joke. Matty Buke's going to be a top 50 pick on that alone. It's a difference between him being a first-round pick and a second-round pick or games like this, big games where he can show up and show that, hey, I can be consistent for, 30, for, for a 16-game stretch in the NFL. Definitely. And we're both huge fans of Matt Abuke and just the spurts that he does bring from time to time. But it just has to find the fine line of consistency in his game. And if he gets with a demanding position coach that really demands that out of him and that excellence out of him on a down to down basis, I think you could have an eventual starter in him. But I think you I think you hit the nail on the head as far as this should be a game that he does stand out and look like an early-round selection just because even though Oklahoma State has a very, very dominating rushing attack, he still should be able to stick out in this game. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in that matchup. But in the second segment of today's show, I failed to mention early on, is that we're going to get into the college football playoff. We're going to do a deep dive into both games between Clemson and Ohio State and also Oklahoma and LSU. So before we get to that point, though, I want to remind you guys about Casper. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep service surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL and that's using locked NFL at checkout. 
Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. So let's get right into this thing, man. The college football playoff, we're so excited about this. There's so many individual matchups that we're looking forward to. But the first game, of course, is between Oklahoma and LSU. This is a big game. The LSU Tigers are expected to be without Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but we know they have a host of backs that they do have just because that's just how LSU operates. And even though their offense has been a bit of a flip-flop this year, as far as their passing game really being the the catalyst of that offense as opposed to the running game like in years past, Joe Burrow does have enough in the tank in order to overcome their lack of a running game if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does end up missing this game, which is to be expected. He's expected to miss the game with the hamstring injury. Even though that hasn't officially came out, he hasn't practiced all week, and usually when a, pra- when a player doesn't practice all week, he usually doesn't play in the game. So this matchup, man, I think it is so intriguing just because I think Oklahoma's defense is better this year, but I don't think they have what it takes to stop this dynamic LSU offense. And no team has really had the answer to really slow down this offense either, even though we thought Georgia maybe had the, the, you know, the secondary in order to slow them down, but they just didn't. They weren't able to create any pressure on Joe Burrow, and he was just able to eat them alive. But on the flip side of things, we thought Georgia maybe would have some success against them from a rushing standpoint, and they weren't able to do that either. So I'm really interested to see how Lincoln Riley is able to scheme some things open against, I don't want to say this poor LSU defense, but it's just not what we've been accustomed to seeing in years past. And I think they can score some points on these guys, but it always makes me nervous when these Big 12 teams go against these SEC teams just because the trenches is what separates these two conferences in a sense that we've seen it in years past, even going back to last year when Alabama and Oklahoma squared off in this same round last year. Just the differences in physicality. I think that's the difference between the Big 12 and the ACC. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think LSU is going to run away with this game for that exact reason. It's just the trenches are different between these two conferences. And I think they're not going to have enough to slow down LSU's offense. And then I think their defense is going to be too much in the trenches as well. So I'm going to go with LSU, and I'm going to say they're going to win the game by 10 points. But I'm interested to see, or I should say, I want to ask you, what matchups are you looking forward to in this game? And then, of course, you have to give me a final prediction. Right. So I think that one of the biggest matchups and one of the biggest X factors in this game is going to be Lloyd Cushingberry versus Neville Gallimore. And not a lot of people talk about this, but let's, let's look at the stats here. Oklahoma gave up 41 points to Iowa State. Uh, LSU is an exponentially better offense than Iowa State. They give up six rushing touchdowns to Kansas State. 48 <laughs> total points. I mean, see, here's the thing, though. Neville Gallimore, you and I both agree. We, we love this guy. We think he can be a first-round defensive tackle. Yeah. Kenneth Murray, we've both been on that train since August. We love his, we love his game. We love his athletic traits. But, man, this Oklahoma defense as a unit is just not ready for this kind of barrage. And we, If Alabama's not ready, do you think this Oklahoma team giving up six rushing touchdowns to Kansas State is going to be ready? No I don't way. think so. I, I, I think this one gets ugly fast. I, I really do. I, I think Oklahoma can score points. I think you mentioned that. I think you explained that really well. Jalen Hurts, CeeDee Lamb, I, I don't see that being an issue. I, I think they will be able to get theirs. The problem is I don't think LSU is ever going to pump the ball. I mean, it's, it's quite <laughs> worth or not. I mean, I, I just, right. I just don't see how they stop this guy. Joe Burrow has been phenomenal all year. He hasn't had, I mean, with one of these top guys, you just like, 
okay, Joe Burrow's going to have a bad game, right? He hasn't had one this year. No. I mean, his bad games are what, 400 yards, five touchdowns, yeah. one interception? I mean, come on. I mean, this he's not he's placed much he's played he's faced much tougher defenses than this uh Oklahoma defense. I mean, it's I just don't see how this LSU team loses this game. I know Oklahoma fans will get, you know, upset saying, you know, you know they have been the best best of the Big 12 whatnot. they they passed the test. I, I'm just not convinced yet this Oklahoma team. This is a team that was fighting with Baylor, a bad Baylor team, to get in this college football playoff. I know Baylor's number six overall, but I think that was a little inflated from the weakness of the Big 12 this year. So I, I'm a little worried, like you said, Big 12 versus SEC doesn't always end up really well, um, but I, I just don't see how Oklahoma keeps this close. Final score prediction, oh, man, it's going to sound ugly, but I, I'm going to go Oklahoma 48, Oklahoma 28. Or LSU 48, Oklahoma 28. I got you. So I'm going to go. I know I said 10 points, but I think it's going to be a little bit different. I think differentiation will be a little bit different. So I'm going to go LSU, I'm going to say 42, and I'll say Oklahoma 17. I think it's going to be really ugly, man. Yeah. Just that, the different, right. the difference in yeah, the difference in the trenches. I think is going to be glaring in this game, and you know the LSU offensive line that just won the Joe Moore Award, but and then with Kenneth Murray's processing issues, and you know Joe Brady being able to scheme up some things as far as these motions, and I th- just think the eye candy that that they're going to offer him, and I just think he's going to be out of place a lot. And we know how the intensity that he brings to the table, he does overreact sometimes, and he can be completely ran out of place by pre-snap motions and things of that nature. So I think that's something that LSU is going to notice, and I think it's something that they're going to attack as well. So I'm going to go LSU 42, Oklahoma 17, just because I just think this is LSU's year, man. And it just seems like they have the makings of being in a national championship. So we're both going LSU there, but I want to go ahead and move on to the next game with Clemson and Ohio State. This is clearly the matchup of the night. This is the nightcap. And this is the game that everybody is looking forward to. Justin Fields against Trevor Lawrence. This is the game that everybody is looking forward to. These guys were the consensus back and forth number one prospect in the class a few years ago. I know some people are saying that Fields is better than Lawrence and vice versa. But I think this is the first round of a matchup that we're going to see for a very long time. But I'm really intrigued by this matchup and I cannot wait to see it. There's so many individual matchups that I cannot wait to see. The biggest for me being is the Clemson wide receivers against the Ohio State secondary, T. Higgins and Justin Ross against Jeffrey Okuda, Damon Arnett, Sean Wade. I believe that's the matchup of the evening. And whoever does win that matchup, I think is most likely going to win the game. But I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there, man. I think Clemson is going to take this game, and I think Clemson is going to win it all just because a lot of people are really underrating what they have done this year. And I think the Carolina game gets stuck in a lot of people's heads. And every year we say the same thing. Clemson doesn't play anybody. They don't play anybody. But when they do play somebody, they embarrass them every single time just because they're a very strong team. Now, they did lose a lot on defense, which is a fair question for concern. But their offense is so explosive, they only have one turnover in the last six games. And I know Trevor Lawrence did struggle a little bit. He looked very average early on in the year. But he has picked it up ever since that point. And I'm all about experience when it comes to games like this. And Jalen Hurts, outside of all the quarterbacks in the college football playoff, Jalen Hurts is the only one that has been there in this point outside of Trevor Lawrence. And we saw how well Trevor Lawrence played a year ago. And he looked like a seasoned veteran back there, even though he was a true freshman. So 
I'm going to go with Clemson in this game, but I think it's going to be a very tight game. So I'm going to go with Clemson winning 31-28 to 28 over Ohio State. Yeah, I, I'm with you. This is going to be by far the most competitive game we'll see uh, in the college football playoff, I think, even including the championship game. I think this game is just so tightly contested. Uh, I think these teams mirror each other, to be honest with you. Uh, you talk about NFL talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, the number one, two recruits a couple of years ago coming out of high school. Uh, just, it's gonna be so, this could be a national championship preview for next year. And this is going to be so fun to watch. I mean, J.K. Dobbins going, going up against Travis Etienne. I know they're not, you know, actually going up against each other, but the running back matchups can be so fun to watch there. Justin Ross, T. Higgins, Amari Rogers going up against, you know, Jeffrey Okuda, Sean Wade, Damon Arnett. It, it, you know, Tremaine Ankrum and John Simpson going against Chase Young and Davon Hamilton and so on. I mean, there's just so many matchups you talk about. It. I mean, Isaiah Simmons, how, how is he fair up against a guy, you know, like Malik Harrison, you know, the way you match up side by side the linebacker. It's, it's going to be really fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think Clemson is going to win this game. And I think it comes down to championship experience. I know, that, I know Ohio State has more NFL talent this year. Jeffrey Okuda, Chase Young. Both guys, I think, are locks to be top 10 picks. Chase Young, probably a lock to be a top two pick. Uh, so Ohio State, to me, has more NFL talent now. But let's not forget this Clemson defense. Clemson has some horses, man. Xavier Thomas, remember that name. That guy's going to be a 2021 top 10 pick. This guy's a edge rusher, very good player, speed to power, excellent athlete, love his game. A.J. Terrell, I don't know if he's coming out this year, but he's also a very good cornerback you got to keep an eye on. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, we've been talking about him as a number one overall pick for seems like three years now. This guy, you know, just won a national championship, embarrassed Alabama and Tua Tagovailoa last year. If someone tells you championship experience doesn't mean anything, they're lying to you. Dabo's a championship coach. Trevor Lawrence is a championship quarterback. They're going up against a coach in Ryan Day, who he's, you know, he's been with this Ohio State program, but he hasn't been to the big dance before. And I know that a lot of people will say, oh, that's overrated, but championship experience matters. And that's going to give you the Absolutely. edge in a tight match. When, when you get a two highly contested teams that are yeah. so evenly matched, I think championship experience will be the defining factor in this game. I got Clemson 30, Ohio State 27. I cannot wait to see this matchup, man. <laughs> I'm so fired up about this game. And like I said, the Clemson wide receivers against the Ohio State secondary, that's the matchup that I'm going to be looking at the most. But Clemson's offensive line has to be able to stop Chase Young. And we know that Clemson's coaching staff, or offensive coaching staff, of course, I think is one of the better ones in the country. And there's a lot of teams that have, for whatever reason, tried to block Chase Young with a tight end or leave him on an island with an offensive tackle. And you just cannot do that throughout games just because he is going to take advantage of those one-on-one matchups, which is something he has done a great job of this year. So I'm really interested to see Clemson's scheme going forward and how they protect Trevor Lawrence and just give him some extra security and not have to worry about Chase Young. So really intrigued by that. But that is our show for today. And I know it was a quick one just because we know you guys have a lot of stuff to get back to as far as your Christmas. And there's so many bowl games on. We know you're probably not going to be listening to a whole bunch of podcasts anyway, just because your TV is going to be filled with all these bowl games. Your your remote is going to be getting a fantastic exercise during this weekend as well. So Make sure to enjoy the games. Remember our predictions because we definitely are going to remember it as well. But once again, we are the Locked On College Football Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed, 
alongside my always terrific co-host Jonah Tools. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. We will be back on Monday to recap the college football playoffs. And also, we are still doing Pride Sticker Monday as well. So be sure to tune into that. See you guys on Monday.